0: communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the community church Oxford podcast. To be together this morning. So thankful for all of you that uh, felt safe enough to come out and worship with us. Or maybe that's not the case. Maybe uh, you're just tired of seeing the people at your house and you said, you know what? I'll just come to church and see some different folks. But either way, so glad that you guys are here this morning um, little side note um, before I get into what I was going to teach on this morning um, I love the interaction in the church. I love how God just gives us this awesome awesome opportunity for us to interact with people and um, you know, Sunday mornings is probably the the time of the day that you probably don't need to go up to the pastor before he's about to preach and, and share something with him, especially an ADHD guy like me. Uh, if you don't know how that works, that just means that when you share stuff with me, like it sticks in my mind and in my heart, and so I automatically start thinking about those things. Well, this morning before the nine o'clock service, uh, Mr. Jimmy Bramlett, uh, who's kind of new to community, but... Um, he and his entire family have been coming, his son and uh, uh, his family. And anyway, Mr. Jimmy walked up to me. and he said, hey, man, have you seen this? And he shows me this video. And um, I, at first I was like, oh, my goodness, what is it? And, and I start looking at this video, and it's a, a young kid in Nebraska, okay? He's a young cowboy. His, his family are cattle owners, and um, his dad ropes cows and that kind of thing. And, and I'm watching this video, and this little boy calls into a local radio station, actually in Texas. It's not local to Nebraska, but he's able to pick it up in Nebraska. And he calls in and he shares with the DJ. He says, man, I've got a word from God this morning. Uh, and so he begins to share with him about this cow and uh, uh, this calf, about how he got attached to this calf. But this calf was born... From a mother cow that was uh, it was it was maybe not as healthy as it should be, and why the dad was roping the cow, he broke the calf's back, and he said, um, and as you can imagine, I'm watching this video and I'm like, man, this is a horrific story, you know, and and he's talking to this Christian radio DJ in Texas, and he says, you know, I was so close to that calf, and he said. I felt like it was me that needed to put the calf down. So if you're not familiar with how that works and the cattle farming business and that kind of thing, when an animal uh, isn't doing well, lots of times they have to put them down. So this young boy, probably 10 or 11 years old, said, you know, I was so close to this calf, I needed to be the one to put it down. And he says, as I'm getting ready, he's telling this Christian radio DJ, he says, as I'm getting ready to put this calf down, he says, I cry out to God and I, I said, God, Why? And he said it was like God reminded me that he knew what it was like to hurt because he had to put his own son down. And he was letting this little boy know that he knew what it was like to hurt and that he was going to be with him in his hurts. Why? Because God is a good, good father. Amen? I had no idea. Mr. Jimmy didn't have any idea. Garrett knew and Heather knew and the rest of our band knew that we were going to sing that song this morning But church, isn't it beautiful to know that we have a good, good father? And that no matter what we're going through, what we're dealing with, he knows exactly each emotion and each situation that we're dealing with. And he knows what it's like to hurt. So this morning, as we dive into our time together, I just want us to pray one more time. It wasn't that Garrett's prayer didn't work, but I just want to pray for the hurts of this world. And I just want us to be thankful this morning and praise God in our prayers that we have a good, good father. Regardless of our view of our earthly father, we have a heavenly father, amen, that is good. And he desires so badly, hear me church, to meet us where we are and to, to, to hurt with us because we hurt. And we just need to be reminded that of that this morning. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you again for this day. God, I'm not sure who that story was for. I know for me before the nine o'clock service, it was for me. But God, maybe that story was for someone else. Maybe somebody's hurting this morning and they don't, they don't know what it's like uh, to hurt on their own. And God, may they be reminded today that they don't hurt on their own. God, you hurt with them. And so God, I just pray this morning that you would wrap your arms around that person or those people and let them know that you love them. God, I want to thank you for Mr. Jimmy and his his obedience of wanting to share that with me this morning. And God, thank you for how it spoke to me. And God, I thank you for who it spoke to in the nine and who it's speaking to now in the 11. And God, we just ask this morning that you would be present, that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would fill me up with your presence and that you would show up and show out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Hey, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. We're continuing our journey through the book of Acts, the gospel on the move. And uh, maybe you weren't with us last week and you walked in this morning and you're like, whoa, what happened? Like, like, what happened? You know, and uh, we agree. We're not sure what happened. Um, my good friend Michael, he runs a company here in town called Vault Entertainment. And one of the things that community church has learned in these times is that restaurants and other particular entities, uh, uh, businesses, businesses, have suffered so much during these times. And um, last week when we were getting ready to come back to in-person services, um, we had talked about doing a drive-in church, but of course, when you get to June in Mississippi, it means it's 90-something degrees outside. The humidity is like 110 percent. I don't know if it can literally be at 110 percent, but that's what it feels like. And so, uh, the school approved for us to be indoors, and I'm like, "No, we're not going outside if we can be in the AC." I mean, I'm sorry, hot isn't something I enjoy being. And so, um, I had already reached out to Michael and his crew at Vault Entertainment. I said, "Look, man, we want to kind of do something with a little bit of a wow factor as we start back up," and uh, he. he. He shared with me about the LED wall, and then last week he said, hey, man, I can bring some lights in this week and that kind of thing. I'm like, man, awesome. And so Vault Entertainment, uh, is uh, we're, we're getting to work with them through the month of June and just so thankful for their willingness to, to allow us to do this. Um, if anybody wants to donate $50,000, I mean, we can get one of these um, for every week and then we're going to have to hire Vault Entertainment to come put it up every week. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, just wanted you to know, don't get so excited. We'll have this for June and then we'll go back to our projectors. And so um, j- there you go. There went the helium in the balloon and then it just went straight out. You know, um, but as we dive into Acts chapter 15 this morning, before we get there, what we're going to see in Acts 15 this morning is, is that not only will we argue and fight about anything The church will argue and fight about anything. Are you with me? Like, that's just who we are. Like, we want to argue about everything. Um, I um, wrote down in my notes this morning as I was thinking about this idea about how have you noticed that we'll argue and fight just about anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some things worth arguing about, right? Right. And there's some things even worth fighting over. I do lots of premarital counseling. Let me explain what that means because some of you are automatically trying to figure out which couple in the room uh, has issues. and. I don't know if you know this or not. That's all of us. Okay. When you put two centers and under one roof. Okay. Um, and the one center wants something that the other center doesn't want. That's called conflict. Okay. And there's usually going to be arguing and then it'll lead to fighting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so don't try to figure out who's got issues. That's all of us. Okay. But when I do premarital counseling, that's counseling leading up to marriage. Okay. Like I'm trying to give them ideas of like, you know, I, I tell them this every time. Like, I say, first of all, it's not like I'm an expert, okay, but I can tell you what not to do, all right? And so I'll tell them, you have to ask yourself the question, is this particular situation worth arguing over? Are you with me? Or is this situation worth fighting over? And I tell them, well, actually, I tell the man, I said, you know, most arguments and most fights are won by this. Yes, ma'am. Okay? Okay. Like, if you'll say, yes, ma'am, whatever the argument was, she feels like she won, and then you can move on, all right? All right, the nine o'clock service didn't get that. You didn't get that, because undoubtedly, some of you have not been married very long, okay, because I don't know if you know this or not, but a woman is forced by this thing. She's moved by this thing called emotion, okay, and that means that she will never stop Okay. So eventually you'll just kind of tap out like, you know, cage fighting. You'll just kind of tap out and go, yes, ma'am. Because some things you realize after arguing and fighting for like days and weeks over are not worth arguing and fighting over. And so I try to tell young couples that I also give them some other advice. But since we have children in the room, I don't think I need to share that advice. So if I've married you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if I hadn't married you, well, good luck. Um, but, but we'll fight literally about everything. In our first service, my good friend Mike Smith was with us, and uh, I talked about the fact that I was at a softball game one day, and uh, there was these two college students, and I'm not going to say it had anything to do with the amount of liquid courage that they had in them, but they had a hot dog in their hand, and they were literally arguing over the fact if a hot, hot dog was a sandwich or not. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this, and, and, and if you go to Ole Miss Baseball, I know we're still mourning the fact that we didn't get to finish this year, um, but there, it's Ole Miss. It probably would have ended differently than, than we thought it was going to end. Uh, if you hadn't seen Mike Clement's uh, video that Ole Miss Baseball put out, you need to see it. Um, it's really good. But anyway, back to this. So they're arguing about this hot dog. And... Just like in the student section at baseball, they'll write things on the baseball and throw it out to our center fielder, and some of those things are good, some of those things are not. Well, then they started that idea at softball, and so they write on the the softball, is a hot dog a sandwich or not? So they throw it to the center fielder. The center fielder looks and reads that question and looks back at them like, you idiots, why does it matter? Like, like, And she throws it back. Well, they're still arguing, okay? So I just go over there and I take the hot dog from a guy named Mike and I just eat it and then I go, who cares if it's a sandwich or not? I talked about that in the 9 o'clock service and somebody has already texted me, somebody's already messaged me this morning and says, a hot dog is not a sandwich, it's a hot dog. <laughs> like, they had to let me know that, that in case I missed it, but, but, but the mindset behind that is it's got two pieces of bread and, and a piece of meat, so it must be a sandwich. No, it's one piece of bread with a slip. See, we'll start arguing about that this morning. We will argue about anything, but church, I don't want you to think that some arguing doesn't matter because people are passionate about food and people are passionate about what they argue about. But however, what we will look at this morning is worth fighting for. So in Acts chapter 15, it'll show us that there are times that require serious theological debate. Okay, so you can most likely know that I did not come up with that line. It came from uh, my commentary that I used by uh, Tony Moreta, and it says there are times that require serious theological debate. Simply put, we should always go to battle when the gospel is at stake. I'll say it again. We should always go to battle when the gospel is at stake. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15 this morning. If you don't have a copy of God's word, there's some at the end of the rows. If you don't feel comfortable getting up, trust me, there's lots of screens around us and it'll be on there. So picking up in Acts chapter 15, verse one, listen to what God's word says. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Let me call a quick timeout. (laughs) Sorry parents with children in the room today, because we have a mixed group of people today, we're going to talk about a thing called circumcised, and all I'm going to say is I'm going to let you explain what that means on your terms, okay? So back to Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Um, So, Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Another quick timeout. I'm glad that we're going to find out in Acts chapter 15 this morning that they got that whole thing worked out, okay? And they they got that debate handled because that would be painful. All right, verse 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about the question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversation of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared that all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order for them to keep the law of Moses. And so church, here's what I want you to see this morning, okay, is that in verses 1 through 5, there is a grace that is disputed, okay? There is a grace that's disputed, and there's a couple of things I want to look at this morning, and, and we'll have to move through this kind of quickly. So the first thing I want you to see is, um, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's all kind of teachings out there, okay? One of the things that we encourage people here at Community, if, you are, if you're trying to check churches out, churches out, you're trying to find a place to worship and that kind of thing, do me a favor. At least make sure you attend a church that's teaching the Bible, okay? That's making much of the gospel because there's all kind of craziness out there. And in Acts, the early church, that was taking place. We see that in verse one, but we're going to see this grace disputed. And then verse two says, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So what I want you to see is, is that If something bothers us as a brother or sister in Christ, we should make sure that we spend time discussing the problem, okay? Because that's grace disputed. The next verse, verse three, so being sent on their way by the church, I love that there's a comma right there after church, so being sent on their way by the church, I love the thought here because look at what it says, so being sent on their way by the church, church... Churches should be sending people. Can I get an amen? If you don't have one of our bracelets and you're a part of community church, we just have a simple bracelet. I know some of y'all got way too many bracelets. They come all the way up to here. Um, but this one just has our mission on it that says seek, shape, send. We believe sending is important. Why? Because a church should be sending. All right? So the church, so being sent on their way by the church, they pass through both Phoenicia and Samaria. This morning in the first service, I got the Phoenicia, and I was like, man, that just does not sound right. Like, I wanted to say P-hard words so bad, and, 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 and some of y'all think that's funny. Some of you don't think I'm handling God's Word when I don't know how to pronounce it, but, I mean, you get up here and do it's it. all I got to say. But both Phoenicia and Samaria describing in detail, the. and then I got to in Phoenicia, did, did I date that girl in high school? But they're talking about a place, but that was Felicia, not Phoenicia. And so, anyway, Phoenicia and Samaria describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. I'm just seeing who's listening, all right? The conversion of Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers, And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church. So earlier in verse 3, we see that they're sent by the church. And then what do we see in verse 4? They're welcomed by the church. I don't know if you know this or not, but we like to be a church that prides ourselves. I think this is a good pride. Prides ourselves in welcoming people. like. We, we have people that visit us for the first time, and we understand we had, you had people out there welcoming today. They had masks on. You couldn't see them smile. They say a lot with their eyes, okay? All right, they're trying to smile with their eyes, but, but it's difficult. Like I have people say, man, are your people really that welcoming at your church? I said, I hope so. And they go, what do you mean? I said, because if a church is not welcoming, people aren't going to come. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You've been to those churches. You walk in, nobody says anything to you. Unless you're sitting in their chair or their pew or in their spot, and then they're going to say, hey, I believe you, 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 you're not in the right place. And I'm like, well, I feel good. No, no, I'm telling you, you're not in the right place. Okay? But the church not only sent, but the church also welcomed. Okay? They welcomed them. Look at this. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, and the apostles and the elders, they declared all that, the God, all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order for them to keep the law of Moses. So what we see in these first five verses is this, that grace is disputed. See, some Jewish believers didn't like the idea that Gentiles that the Gentiles were retaining their own identity as they joined the community of faith. In other words, they thought a Gentile needed to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. That sound familiar? I'll say it again. They thought that a Gentile needed to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but we are the ones that put limitations on people coming to know Christ. Have you ever noticed that? Like, you got to come to church and you got to walk this way and talk this way and be this way and like that kind of thing. Like, I love it when people say, Man, there's a bunch of screwed up people that go to your church. I go, Have you met their pastor? Like, I don't know if you know this or not. Like, most people, all right, kind of flock together when they're the the same kind of people. Are you with me? But the church ought to be welcoming. The church ought to realize that, look, we shouldn't put additional parameters. We're going to see that. But the grace was disputed. But the Jews were upset that the Gentiles were kind of getting like a free ride. Hey, if you're a New Testament believer, can I just tell you something, church? You got a free ride. You didn't have to keep the law. And I'm not saying the law is not important, but we'll see this morning that the law was fulfilled in what Jesus did. So first we see that grace is disputed. In verses six through twenty-one, we'll see the grace, we'll see grace defended in this place. So pick up with me in verse six. I have to preach really quickly because there's kids here and y'all gotta go eat lunch and we gotta be out on time. So verse six. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. What I want you to see here is the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Church, if it matters to a brother or sister in Christ, it ought to matter to us. Amen. Like I tell young couples in premarital counseling, listen to me. You need to listen to hear instead of listening to respond. Beth, I know I'm working on that, babe. I know I haven't got it accomplished yet. But the point I'm making is, is you need to listen to hear and not listen to respond. And if it matters to her, it ought to matter to you. And if it matters to him, it ought to matter to you. Church, if it matters to somebody in the body, it ought to matter to us. We shouldn't all automatically just disqualify or push somebody to the side because we don't like what's bothering them. But look at verse 6. It says, And the apostles and the elders were gathered together and considered this matter. Verse 7, And after they had been in much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by the mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made it no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why you are putting, Why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. We're coming back to that one. That'll preach. Verse 12. And all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how great, how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And when the, when this word, when when this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written: After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tenth of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. And then verse seventeen, and that that and that that the remains of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from the, of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them and abstain from things such, such things have polluted polluted by idols or. From from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, and from blood. We'll get to that in a minute too. Verse 21, from an ancient generation of Moses has had, has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every, every Sabbath in the synagogues. So the first five verses we see a grace disputed. And verses 6 through 21, we see grace defended and displayed. You see, the apostles gathered and discussed this crucial matter, and this is what they came to the realization. Pick up with me in verse 7. And after they had been in much debate, Peter stood up and said to them. So I don't know if you remember this or not, but in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost happened, Peter stood up and preached, and like 3,000 people got saved. All right? So usually when Peter stands up to preach, people listen. All right? So Peter. Stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by the mouth the Gentiles should by the mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Keep going for me there, Haley. Look at verse 8. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us. So what Peter's saying is, Hey Jews, I get that you think that they gotta do this and they gotta do that. There's evidence that they've come to know Jesus because of the Holy Spirit, and that's enough. Why are you going to keep going? Keep going, verse 9. Check this out. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Here's what I want you to see. No distinction. Man, if there is a time that that gospel message should be preached, it is now. Do you hear all these dumb narratives that we're seeing? Like, these people and these people don't matter. Everybody matters to God. Why? Because he made no distinction doesn't matter if you're jew or gentile it doesn't matter if you're free or slave it does not matter if you're male or female what matters is is jesus keep going with me verse 10 now therefore i love peter like man he's just like kind of like wife like beth does to me in our arguments is anybody listening to me this morning like i'm trying to make sure y'all are awake man i'm putting out some good funny stuff and you're not moving you're not reacting Like, I'd rather you go home and let me preach to the screen and get nothing out of it than there be people in front of me and no response. I understand some of y'all stayed out too late last night celebrating the children's pastor's birthday party, but y'all need to react, okay? The point that I'm making is Peter's about to lay it down. He says, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the necks of the disciples that neither your fathers nor we have been able to bear? Oh, so you want to be super spiritual in this moment? You want to act like you got it all together? You want to act as if you got it all figured out? Your daddies couldn't do it, and you can't do it either, but you want to put it on them. Keep going. But we believe, and if you miss anything else I say, don't miss this, but we believe that we will be saved to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. You know what this verse says? Jesus is enough you hear me, church? Jesus is enough. Like, if you're a New Testament believer, like, that means you got saved since you were born, okay? We're all New Testament believers. None of us kept the law, okay? And if you did, we'll talk about that afterwards. You didn't. You want me to prove it to you? If you have hate in your heart, you've committed murder. If you had lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. You're either a murderer or an adulteress, period. You're all guilty. Jesus is enough. Amen? So what we see in the first five verses is this, a grace that's disputed. What we see in verses 6 through 21, a grace defended and displayed. And then what we see in verses 22 through 35, a grace delivered and described. Here's what I want you to see. Pick up with me in verse 22. They're going to repeat themselves. When it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, they sent Judas called Bar- uh, Barsabbas and leading Salas leading men among, a leading among the brothers with the following letter. So here's what they're doing. They're sending people with them from the church. Why? Because they don't want Paul and Barnabas to say, well, the church said this. They want to send people back with them from the apostles and the elders and say, hey, look, this is the letter that I want you to take. Look at what he says in, in, in verse, um, I guess that would be like 23. With the following letter, the brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are, are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicily, Greetings. Since we have heard that the same persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction. So pretty much what we're saying is, is this, those people that came to you that said you had to be circumcised to be saved, they are fools. This letter right here is going to tell you that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And he keeps on going. The writer, Luke, keeps writing here. Look at what it says. Verse 25, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with your beloved uh, Barnabas Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, um, who themselves will tell you the same thing by word of mouth. For For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements." that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. And if you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well, Fare well. And I gotta be honest with you, church, I'm sitting there reading that, okay? And I'm thinking, all right, most people that have ever been to a traditional church would go, all right, so the preacher put that in there. Like he's gonna keep us away from all the good stuff. No, you know why that's there? To abstain what has been sacrificed to idols idols from blood and for what's been strangled and from sexual immorality is if to keep yourselves from those you will do well, farewell. The reason he says that is, is because the Gentiles are living in a pagan land. All right, if you don't know what pagan means, let me break it down to you in simple terms. They're, leave, they're living amongst heathens okay? She's not bothering me. She might be bothering y'all. I love that she's here, okay? I love that she's playing with a crayon. I love the fact that she picks up the crayon, goes back and puts it back down, then lets it roll down again. Like, that's awesome, okay? Some of y'all can't even pay attention to me for like two minutes, and this chick has not been bothered at all by it, okay? So I'm paying attention to it, you're paying attention to it, but don't miss this, okay? Heathens, the Gentiles are amongst heathens, and they see all these people worshiping these idols, and they're making sacrifices to them, and so the church says, hey, look, you need to get this. Don't worship idols. Stay away from blood because they believe truly if you mess with blood and I don't know how you know this or not, but blood means that you killed something. Okay, Stay away from that because it makes you unholy. And then this is what it says, and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality, if you keep yourself from these things, you will do well. I want you to understand something. It doesn't say if you do these things, you're going to hell. It doesn't say that. It's just saying that if you're in Christ, you'll stay away from these things because they were so caught up in this pagan worship. They were so caught up in this sin. They were so caught up in this stuff. And so instead of putting like 613 requirements on them, they just say simply, stay away from these things. Why? Because that was what was in their community. Look at verse 30. So they were sent off. And they went down to Antioch, having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And, his, and Judas and Silas, who were, them, th- were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. In verse 33, after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So in verses 1 through 5, we see grace disputed. In verses 6 through 21, um, we see grace defended and displayed. And in verses 22 through 35, we see grace delivered and described. So grace is disputed, grace is defended and displayed, and then grace is delivered and described. Here's what I want you to see. All right, check this out. (laughs) The Jews. We're trying to put all these expectations on the Gentiles. Even expectations that the Jews couldn't live up to themselves. And you know why the church is not welcoming in most places? Is because just like so many of us, we kind of get a little frustrated when we see somebody messed up walking to church. Stay with me now. Like we get messed up, we're like, oh no, Man. Instead of going, man, I'm so glad you're here. We want to look at people and we want to look at the conditions that man has put on them and the judgment that man has put on them. And I don't know if you've missed it tonight, this morning, but from the start of this service until now, and trust me, it's about to even get better from a time of worship through song. I need you to hear something. God has been spot on with the music today. Why? Because God's good like that. Why? Because nothing's impossible. Why? Because our God can overcome everything. And you know what Acts chapter 15 is saying? Hey, look, you might think you got to do this, but all you need is Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus is enough. And what we're about to see in closing here in Acts chapter 15 is Is that when a dispute arises in the church? Man, they don't form a committee. They don't pray about it for six weeks. They don't find out everybody's opinion about it. They just say, you know what? Maybe we just need to divide and conquer. And look at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, "Let's return and visit the brothers of every city we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing." Here's what I want you to see how they are. It doesn't say how they're doing. I was mis said that. See how they are. The reason they say this is, is because they've just finished their first missionary journey. They're about to go on their second mission journey. Chapter 15 is in the middle of the first and the second. And here's what I want you to see: They're about to go back. They're about to go back and encourage. They're about to go church. When you saw our boy Moses from Kenya, when you saw. Londo last week from Peru. What are we doing? We're going back and we're encouraging the church. We're letting the church know we haven't forgotten about you. Hey, look, we love you. We're on the same team. We're in this together. But it says, let us return and visit the brothers in every city that we where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. We don't have time, but just a few chapters before. John, Mark went home. John Mark didn't go. He, he decided to go home. And Paul's like, no, nope. he ain't going with me. You don't see like a dispute. You don't see a big argument. It just simply says, now Barnabas wanted to take them with them, John Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Papanelia, P. Hardworth, and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers of grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicily, strengthening the churches. Here's what I want you to see. Don't miss this church. We so badly, when something happens, we so badly want to be right that we leave Jesus out of the scenario. We're almost seven years old. There have been people that have been with us. They're some of my favorite people, but they felt like there was a different means to get to where we were going. And guess what? They decided to go somewhere else. And I still love those brothers and sisters. I'm still grateful for. Why? Because they are preaching the gospel. Guess what we're doing? We're preaching the gospel. We might have different means of how we preach it, but the, the message is still the message. We can learn a lot from this. We can learn a lot from this. I want to close out with this. This comes from uh, the, the Jesus Bible that Passion put out based on Acts chapter 15, and this is how we're going to close. Jesus is everything. Jesus is enough. At the heart of what it means to be fallen human beings, people are proud and want to do things for themselves. Even Christians, after God saves them, struggle with trying to earn their way to God. You'll never be able to. Yet people who have surrendered their life to Christ grow with God in the same way They were saved by God, by grace through faith in Christ. You know why we have a struggle with that? Because grace means we get what we don't deserve. Grace says that we're not, grace says you're good enough even when you don't feel good enough. And so it says, the writer keeps on and says, some of the first converts to Christianity struggle with the same issue of waiting um, to contribute in some way of their salvation. A group of Jewish Christians, chapter 15, believed that to be a Christian Gentiles converted must follow the Old Testament laws and traditions. But in contrast to this, Peter and others urged that Christians did not need to follow this law in the same way because Jesus had already fulfilled the law. Matthew five seventeen. says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish it, but to fulfill them. And then check this out. Even today, there is a danger that well-meaning Christians will burden themselves and others with add-ons to the core of the gospel message, which is simply that Jesus is enough. As people try to add good works and other requirements to the message, the message of salvation by grace is lost. Check this out, Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. If, if you hear anything, don't miss this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are not, we, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Church, here's what I want you to see this morning. Here's what I want you to hear. We are in the midst of one of the greatest pandemics in the world. And you know what the answer is? It's simple. Jesus, we're in one of the biggest race struggles ever in the world. And you know what the answer is, church? There is no distinction in what? Jesus. Jesus is enough. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the reason our families are in this service is not because of the coronavirus, because God ordained these moments. Our children are watching us. Our children are paying attention to how we treat people, how we act, how we walk. Hey, I'm almost gone, so stay with me. I'm going to give you all I got. Jesus is enough. And here's the cool thing. When you get Jesus, you get a blessing. Do you hear me, church? When you get Jesus, you get a blessing. You don't run after Jesus for the blessing. Jesus is the blessing. And here's what's beautiful. Are you ready? Do you feel it building? Do you feel the presence of God moving? That's God. That's not them. That's not me. Jesus, when he shows up, guess what, church? He shows out. He shows out. And you know why he shows out? Because he loves us. You know why he cares for us? You know why he hurts? Because we hurt. Because he hurt too. But he did it so that you and I could have salvation. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet, I want to pray over us. Because we're fixing to sing one of of my most favorite songs ever written. And it's called The Blessing. But I don't want you to get caught up in the song. I want you to get caught up in the spirit. I want you to get caught up in the fact that Jesus is enough for whatever you're going through. Can I tell you something? I walk with you. I'm your shepherd. I walk with you. I know the enemy's attacking some of your marriages. I'm saying in Jesus' name, Satan, get out. You have no place right now. You hear me, church? Some of you are fighting emotional You are fighting physically. You are fighting addictions. And hear me, church, I'm telling Jesus. I'm saying in Jesus' name to Satan, get out of their life. Church, the most important hour and 10 minutes of your life every week is this hour and 10 minutes. Because it's when you get to come and give praise to God for what he's done, and then you get to be encouraged to go out and do it again. Will you receive that this morning? It's nothing we've mustered up. It's nothing we've created. It comes from God's Word and Jesus Christ. Father God, I come to you this morning. And I just pray that you would put an amen on this. And God, I pray this morning that people would realize that Jesus Christ is enough. That people would realize that we don't need more. We don't need less. Jesus is enough. God, I pray this morning that we would realize that our children are depending on it. Our children's children are depending on it. And I'm begging you this morning, God, to fall on this place. I'm begging you this morning, if anything came out of my mouth that brought you no honor, then let them forget it. But God, I pray this morning... For those that feel like they got to do this or do that for salvation, God, may they know that Jesus is enough this morning, and may the hour of salvation be today. So you be the glory and you be the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, church, do me a favor. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.